1: Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Karkut, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital. Well, my friend, it's been a little hey. while. I'm glad to be back. Way too long. Getting, yeah. getting too involved in, like, flame wars and battles on Facebook. I need something to calm me down, so... Yeah, if anyone wants entertainment, go and follow Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Might make your blood boil a bit, but... Depending on which side of the equation you're on. Well, on both sides, you'll blow a boil. It's <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, man. Well, it's uh, it's been busy. I've been away every weekend, I think. Well, and I am. And I'm away for the next two weekends, too. Just like, God, it's just trip after trip after tri- I-, I guess I shouldn't complain, but it'd be nice to stay home yeah. for a weekend, too. Who's making you go on these trips? My wife. Ah, okay. Good point. <laughs> you know, they plan everything. She is the boss. You betcha. Happy wife, happy life. Live, gotta live by that. The worst part, though, right now, and I, I was saying earlier, I'm in a particularly nasty, ranty mood to, mood today. So, everyone, don't get a lot of comedy. I'm sure out at <laughs> a few laughs off my my case here. Is first of all, I, I'm gluten intolerant. I already always knew that, but the problem now is that I have to. I want to prove it so that I can get this tax credit that we get here in Canada. If you are, and you can actually write off the cost of the food because it's extremely expensive to get gluten-free food. And I kind of want to know. I want to know if I'm destroying my gut <laughs> completely. So I have to go back to eating wheat for six freaking weeks. I'm on day four and, oh my God, don't even get near me and i bite your head off. <laughs> it's like, I'm just so nasty. I got a cold back. I, oh, not that, that's fun. A, that, that sounds more psychological than,
2: phil, you know, physical. uh uh-huh. Right? Well, Is we it go. just because no, I'm just curious. Is it because you're, is your mood changing, because your habits are having to change, or is it really changing because of the
1: diet? Definitely the diet. I, I'm just... Prove it. Do it, I'm for, not, I'm, do it for five and a half <laughs> more weeks. <laughs> well, thank you. I will do that. <laughs> but apparently, that's how long you have to do it for the silly tests they have nowadays to show whether or not you're celiac or not. Ugh, this is ridiculous. Anyway. All right, rant number <sighs> one down. Next. Yeah. Yes. So you wanted to start with Google 2016. Yeah, my rant. rant.
2: My rant. So I read an interesting political study about Google and their influence on the elections and electoral process. This study, which was published in like the American Scientific Journal, one of these big science journals. It's not some like political thing. It's actually a scientific study about the influence Google has on our population. This study says that Google has the potential to change the vote or change the percentage points for an individual character by up to 27%. Meaning that they, if they decide they're going to back Donald Trump, they can improve his rank rankings or scoring by 27% just by changing their algorithms and what people find when they're searching for information. That's a ton of power for one company to have. And the interesting thing is, if they decide to... Publicly, you know, hey, we are now going to be a publicly pol- political company like Fox and MSNBC who are very political and very open about their leanings one way or the other. If Google decided to do that, can we even stop them, right? So that that's my rant for the day. It's like, wow, we've given these people a lot of power without even realizing it. And, and they can impact what you think and what you do and what you say without you even knowing it. It just kind of blows my mind that we give them that much of our lives over to this one company. Thank God they're not evil. <laughs> they, that's what they say. But <laughs> Satan,
1: Satan won't admit to being evil. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'd rather steer us in other ways and make our make SEO's yeah. lives miserable for the moment.
2: Well, that's just their little game they play on the side.
1: <laughs> exactly. They get bored. What can we do to screw with this SEOs today? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is scary. It's it's not entirely comfortable to know <laughs> that they have that much power, but uh, we've but given them. We've given them power.
2: Yeah, I and mean, I don't know if there's anything legally we could do against it. I guess they'd have to pass some kind of new laws because it's it would be basically. Similar to what Fox and MSNBC do. They say, we have our own agenda and we're allowed to have an agenda. We're a corporation. Corporations are people. Free people have free speech. We can do what we want.
1: Wow. We start seeing some skewed vantage point from an SEO perspective. We'll cry foul. Yeah.
2: I know that we're putting <laughs> together tons of, I mean, on the paid side of Google. I mean, politicians are all over the place looking for people to run paid search campaigns and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of hard to do SEO for politics because the life cycle of those campaigns are so short, it's it's hard to have a real big impact other than just making sure that their sites can get crawled and they're not doing things that will get them banned and that kind of stuff. But
1: yeah, well, it's mostly strategy. you know from an SEO perspective, I'm finding I, I have the most fun and most I, I'm finding it the most interesting doing the full strategy of a both SEO site layout, design, all the things that are involved with making a small business, in this case, more successful. And with an SEO's perspective on politicians, I would think that that's sort of the same thing too. They'd be, you know, the content game, but making sure also that everything's optimized, everything's done in the right way, because obviously content's going to be everything, and making sure they take advantage of all the different media options. The ones that their competition aren't using are great opportunities to, to try and get more business, or well, business in this case, votes.
2: Yeah. And if, and if you think about it as a business, that's their goal. You know, most business goals, let's make a mo- let's make money here. Let's get email signups with politicians. It's more about brand recognition because you're not going to be able to track votes. That's just not going to happen. It's going to have, you're going to know who voted for who after the election, but you're not going to be able to tell what marketing initiatives really influenced those votes very clearly, but you can definitely get messages out in front of people. Lots of, you know, immediate forms of advertising, like socials is a huge one. Audience targeting is very big in the <laughs> political space. Those kind of things work really, really well. It's it's much harder when you're just trying to influence search results, unless you're Google and you want to influence the election. <laughs> but as SEOs,
1: <laughs>
2: the political game is much, much harder for us than it is for much other marketers to, to actually get some skin in the game.
1: Uh, absolutely. It's interesting. I was just looking on the side here. Again, another Google thing. On um, one of my windows here, I've got Search Engine Land, uh, which is always great for this stuff, and and they've got an article from August twentieth. A UK reg- regulator to Google. You, <laughs> I love this. You must de-index follow-up stories about right to be forgotten subjects. Ouch! Ouch! How- <laughs> So now they have to keep on top of that. Oh dear God! I would, so, I would say, I would say,
2: is Google responsible for identifying those stories, or if someone submits a follow-up story to be de-indexed, they have to, they have to do that because I don't think it's right to put the onus on Google to, to like scan oh, and look for the follow-up stories.
1: Whatever, let's make them work a bit. <laughs> they got the money. They got the time. <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. I just get a bit of a, a laugh out of how Europeans are treating Google. I mean, they really, I wonder if it's becoming worthwhile being there. <laughs> yeah.
2: You're probably just pissed because they don't serve
1: gluten-free in the Google cafeteria. Hey, I'm just pissed, Marion. I've <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> got some anger, anger going on here. But this is the quote from The Guardian. The search engine had previously removed links relating to a 10-year-old criminal offense by an individual after requests made under the right-to-be-forgotten ruling. Removal of those links from Google search results for the claimant's name spurred new posts detailing their removals, which were then indexed by Google search engine. Google refused to remove links to these later news posts, which included details of the original criminal offense, despite them forming part of search results for the claimant's name, arguing that they are an essential part of a recent news story and in the public interest. Ouch. I mean, it's becoming a nightmare.
2: That is kind of censorship if you ask me. From the news perspective, it's, it would be more up to the, the author of those posts to censor themselves than have the government try to censor where Google is allowed to show people related to news. I'm definitely on Google's side on this one. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me.
1: It's hard. I can't even fathom what they're up against here. No question about it. I just get a, kind of get a kick to see them jump. They don't jump very often. <laughs> I really don't. They're, they've got all the power, so it's neat to see a, a union really pushing them hard. I know we didn't put this on our list because you said it wasn't valuable.
2: The alphabet thing. Do you think this all this stuff is helping them, from a legal perspective, insulate themselves from these kind of things? Absolutely. Because you know when they put Google under this umbrella company of Alphabet, for those of you who haven't heard, there's a new company called Alphabet that, that the founders of Google created. And Google is now under that umbrella along with a bunch of other companies. I think they say it's because they want to be able to focus on other stuff and, and they've named a new CEO for Google and all that stuff. But I know that there's legal – the reason they did it was purely legal. And this is part of it, I think, to be able – the ability to add new companies into the fold easily and, and divest themselves on ones they don't want around anymore easily is a big part of it too. But I, I had not thought about the idea of the legal aspect, legal things going on in Europe, you know, how do you insulate yourself and the rest of your companies from that? Because if, if Google owns everything and Google gets nailed for something, that impacts everything. So that, The that's problem
1: is, I, I know a little bit about the law in that area and I, I believe this is the same thing in the States. You can't if you're already under investigation, if you try and move anything, it doesn't matter where you put it. It's still part of the investigation and still liable. But yeah, for future issues, it's a smart idea. I don't and know. It's,
2: it's interesting when you say that because I was really confused when they didn't say YouTube was now a separate company under this umbrella. It's still under Google, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're going to do this umbrella thing, YouTube should be its own company.
1: Well, when that it comes weird. right down to it, they've got more lawyers than any other company anyway. I think it's also the ability. I think the original pitch was something along the lines of being able to hire without using the Google name you know, for these other issues. You know, I guess there's negatives to using the word Google all the time because they're not really working for Google. If they're doing something like building cars, they're working you – know, they want to keep the concepts separate. That's another really big issue. They become so yeah. huge. I mean, it yeah. can't, it's not really right to call it all Google anymore. So it makes sense.
2: Yeah. Why, why did they pick Alphabet? Oh, Any God. Any idea at all?
1: <laughs> I love it. Just way too basic to me, but whatever. I'm sure they have a brilliant reason for it. They're far smarter than I've ever I, I been. I,
2: I did read a story about the guy who actually owns at Alphabet, The Twitter account. (laughs) He he says he woke up the next morning and had like 10,000 followers out of nowhere and it literally blew his mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which means it was probably blocked by Twitter because it was (laughs) an unrealistic explosion in followers. (laughs) That could be. (laughs) Uh, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into some real... uh, nitty-gritties on SEO, and uh, thank you for everyone's patience. There's lots of interesting news, but it's not 100% relevant to SEO. Anyway, we'll be right back.
0: SEO 101 will be back right after recess.
2: Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple.
3: All you need is authoritylabs.com.
2: at bruceclay.com.
0: Welcome to LPO, LPO, landing page optimization. Landing page optimization expert, Tim Ash, is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. LPO, landing page optimization. Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Next on the topics, the Moz and Search Metrics ranking factors. Every year they put out these reports, and I've you know, <laughs> it's always interesting to see what people say about it in, in, our, in our world. What are, what are your thoughts on it so far? I guess we should discuss a few of the main points.
2: Well, the the main discussions I've been having with people aren't really as much around the content of these reports because they don't change that much. There there hasn't ever really been any big surprises that I remember that come out of these things if you're following the industry. You expect what they're going to say. I think these are really more valuable for people just getting into the industry or just discovering SEO and trying to understand what everybody's talking about. I think that's where they're really valuable. If you're trying to track trends, I guess you could research using these reports since they come out annually. But As as far as new things and exciting things in these reports, the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that caught me by surprise was part of the Search Metrics Ranking Factor Report. Now, the main difference between the two of these reports are the Moz Report basically says, here's a bunch of factors. They predetermine the factors and they go out to a bunch of expert SEOs and say, can you rank these factors in order of importance for us? So they get a bunch of opinions and they average them out. And they say on oh, the average, this one's most important and this one's least important and everything in between. When search metrics does it, they basically go out and analyze the results of thousands and thousands of search terms and search results. So they're actually Doing data analysis to determine what they think are the the ranking factors. So, one, there's, you know, it's purely opinion based on really good, experienced professionals. The other is pure data that has no human massaging, so to speak, right? So, that said, the one interesting thing I found, you know, that I wasn't expecting was in the search metrics report that said files. So, when you're talking about A website and you talk about page speed. That's the speed of the site and all the different things. But there's also what you call a file size. So your home page is a file on a server. That file size for as long as I can remember we've always wanted to get that file size as small as possible so things can load faster, right? Well according to search metrics rankings the larger that file is the better you do in search engine rankings. So if you get a search result page, the number one file is usually a larger file than the number 10 file on that first page. And it's a very good chart they have, and it's a very steady decline based on the rankings, which I thought was really interesting. Now, that's just pure data. What they don't tell you that I'm trying to figure out why is that, it's most likely because those pages have more content, so the file size is larger. Right. Which makes total sense to me when you, when you think about it. But when they just report it as larger files rank better, there's no context. But so you think about, it, well, they're larger because they have more content. That makes a lot more sense now.
1: Well, it's funny. I mean, how can they possibly be an accurate listing if they don't include us in the experts being uh,
2: asked? Well, I used to be in in it, the Moz one. I used to I used to do it. <laughs> I'll tell you a couple of the conversations I've seen. And if uh, we've had David Harry on the show a couple times, and he's actually doing an SEO dojo hangout. Friday the twenty fifth is when he's doing it, or the twenty first is when he's doing it. So if this, I don't think you're going to hear this by then. So maybe we can see the recap of it. But they're discussing why. The Moz ranking factors is not really that good anymore. And I know a number of people, including I'd have to say myself, that are not doing it because of some of the problems they see with the way that it's put together. Like the fact that here are the list of factors and you can only grade these. If you have other ones, tough luck. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, and then a lot, there's claims, and I don't know how true it is that a lot of the people that are doing these evaluations of these factors aren't doing SEO themselves anymore. Or if they're at an agency, they pass it off to their underlings to finish because they don't have time to do it. And then they publish it under their name. So it's interesting. I think I think it's good that we have both types of these two reports. One's where people will actually put some thought into it and rank them just based on their knowledge and one that's purely data-driven because I don't think either one of them could should stand alone by themselves. There has to be a combination of both those types of things. You have to understand that this larger page file size is impacting it because of x you know instead of just pure data so i I think there's room for both of them and i've had people ask me which one's better i don't think either one of them is better than the other one standalone they're both need help standalone i think it's great that they both exist and if you're going to use them to try to to build audit or whatever you're doing use
1: them both make sure that they complement each other pretty well yeah if frankly if you if you need it (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you're in, in the trenches, you're going to know a lot of the stuff already. If you want to know more about it, then yeah, blend them together. I mind my favorite people in terms of rants is Terry Van Horn. Oh, he just slays on this stuff. And oh, he's yeah. been talking about it. Like, he's definitely R-rated in, in language. So you got to be careful when you're listening to him. If you're easily shocked, don't bother. But he's very, very, he's a brilliant guy. He's been doing this a long time. So is David. If, uh, if you're easily if you're easily shocked, grow some thicker skin to listen to because he's
2: brilliant and the stuff yeah. he has to say is worth listening to. It is absolutely. Yeah.
1: He pretty much tore a hole. And of course, Terry's not. He's probably turned down doing the, the reports as well if they even ask. I know he's probably not very much loved by Moz. Who knows? But in any case, he's. It doesn't matter. He's very good at what he does and what he is talking about made a whole lot of sense. If you want to listen to that st- stuff, they've got the SEO Dojo podcast as well. What is it called again? The Regulators, right? Regulators, regulators, regulators. Right. Yep. Yeah. regulators. And it's great. It's a really good podcast. I always find it interesting to listen to. And, and I think you'll you'll get a really good perspective that's outside of the popular perspective. Uh, frankly, I take everything with a grain of salt that I get from any of these guys. The people that are in the trenches like Terry and, and David and people like John here that uh, I listen to. And, and we all learn a lot from each other. All right. So next, are desktop sites still necessary? I love this title. No. <laughs> Says Google's John Mueller. Well, okay. First of all, it's a skew. It's saying if you have mobile, do you really need a desktop site? It's not, do you need a website? You know, first of all, that's not the issue. Desktop sites don't need to be there if, if your main audience is mobile. And if you want to start with mobile, it's a good thing to do. There's no harm in that. And then do desktop. He's not saying don't have it at all. There's no reason for it. In some cases... It's not a necessary thing.
2: But why don't you just start with both at the same time and do responsive design? <laughs> well,
1: there you go. But I mean, that was the basis of the question, I guess, right? The person was being very particular. And then, of course, the person who wrote the article in Search Engine Watch had a field day with it. I'm sure it got lots of attention. So there you go. <laughs> so if you see it, people don't get worried. It's, it's nothing. It's just the fact that there are use cases for everything, really. There's always going to be another use case. Now, absolutely. Google never indexes all your pages. What do you think of this? Well, this is another one of John Mueller's quotes of the week.
2: Basically, someone asked him about an indexing issue, and this was on Twitter, so he didn't have a lot of room to talk. They, do, they did follow up later, and basically, someone was worried because they wanted to make sure the important pages on their site were getting indexed, and they didn't think they were, so he was asking, how do you know if all, all the pages in your site are getting indexed? And John basically said, no, nope, we never index all the pages of your site. It's not uncommon to for a 1,000-page site for us to only index about 900 of them.
1: If it's an important one, if it's got a lot of contents, perhaps it's really interesting. You know, people have been giving feedback on and it's not in the index. If it's got some meat to it, it's being popular or is popular. Well, then that's a buck. You know, there's some reason it should be in the system.
2: But there's another but. If you have a page that you think is important, it doesn't matter if it's got an engagement. It doesn't matter if you think this is an important page and it's not being indexed. You need to understand why. If you've got a thousand page site and you go in and Google's only indexed 900 of those pages, it's not a huge problem. Unless, like Ross says, those 100 pages that are missing are like your home page and your top level navigation. Then you got problems, right? If they're important pages, then you have to understand why. But don't be anal and expect I've got a thousand pages and I expect Google to index a thousand of them. Mm -hmm. Most likely, if you have a thousand pages, they're going to index about 3,500 pages for your site. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. In other words, uh, yeah, you've got a little duplication in there, and that's very – Yeah, cool. <laughs> that's extremely common. That they actually index more pages than you actually have. <laughs> well, with that note, let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we got an uh, interesting couple – we've got a question from Mark Taylor and an interesting point on referral spam. We'll be right back.
0: SEO 101 will be back right after recess.
3: Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com.
0: Shopping for the best e-commerce tips, tricks, and techniques? Looking for better ways to push your product out of your online store? Watch your shopping cart overflow because you've found the e-com experts. The e experts show you what you need to know to be a successful online retailer. Learn their search marketing strategies, their web marketing wisdom, and their calculated conversion measures. Ecom experts, Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Okay, class. Take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Director of SEO and Social Media for Advanced Digital, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So if you ever gone into Google Analytics and looked at your referrers and gone, what the hell is that? You just get the weirdest (laughs) domains are sending traffic and a lot of it. So you go and check it out. Well, you just fell into the trap It's called referral spam and it is horrendously common now. In fact, I I would say sites I was looking at today, over 50% of the traffic was coming from referral spam. That's horrendous. I mean, I haven't seen it that bad until recently and it's a little scary because it's very difficult to track because they're always using different sites. Now, the key is these are not sites visiting your site. What they're doing is they're using Google, your Google Analytics code, which they can easily g- extrapolate from your site. And they're pinging Google Analytics as though they've gone to your site. And the reason they're doing that is they want you to see the domain within your analytics. This is one reason anyway. And go and check them out. When you do that, you end up going to one of their sites that, that are paying to be seen. It's really the bottom of the barrel. I mean, man. It is bad, but it has direct implications
2: for you as an SEO, mainly because if you're reporting on your work correctly, you're reporting based on traffic, not necessarily on rankings, right? But if you happen to have like a dashboard, for instance, I know this because it happens to us, is we show our our activity on our SEO campaigns in a dashboard. Client has 24-7 access to log into this dashboard. We've integrated Google Analytics through their API. But when you do that, this re- referral spam looks like traffic. And so basically you're giving false reports on the amount of work you're doing. There are ways to filter it out through the API, but it's not easy. Like like Russ says, it changes all the time. It's an it's a ongoing process. But you got to be careful when you're doing your reporting that you're reporting correctly because this referral spam can screw you up sometimes.
1: It's not easy to implement either. Um, What you have to do if you want to do it, I'll make a post. I'll post this onto um, our Google Plus community forum. Just type in SEO 101 on Google Plus and you'll find us pretty simply under the community area. Anyway, it's a a good article by Ben Travis at VGET. I'm not sure how you say it, VIGET. Anyway, and he explains how you can use regular expressions within the filters of Google Analytics to try and cut all this out. Just be sure, please, to create a new view, it's called, within Google Analytics and work on that. Don't, whatever you do, do not filter on your primary profile or your primary view, I should say, of your analytics data. Otherwise, you you can't revert filtered data. It is taken away for good. So yeah. if you make a mistake, you're poached.
2: If you're a small shop or, or even some big shops and you're working directly within your client's Google Analytics, never work on the raw data. The day nope. they become a client, create a new view just for you to work on. Sometimes that will eliminate historical data, but you always have access to that historical data from the from the regular one. But if you're doing ongoing reporting, ongoing filtering or changing or conversion tracking, that kind of stuff, do it on your own view, separate from the base view owned by the client.
1: Yeah. And when you do that, be really clear about what the view is you're setting up. Even if there is one that's called all website traffic, which is the default, I say, I create a new one called untouched. How clear is that? You, This is untouched. This is virgin data. I, I've even called it virgin data sometimes. And then I create another one, which is step forth or whatever, whoever you're working on. And this is ours. This is the one we can mess with, do whatever we want with to clean up the data and provide the most accurate information that we possibly can. And using this information, you can exclude these noise makers, really is what they are. They're, they're adding a ton of noise to your data. And, and SEO, analytics is critical to SEO. It's what one of the few ways you can really determine that what you're doing is helping you and making a good impact on your bottom line. So really, you got to do this. And if it's difficult, you need any help, let us know. I'm still learning, frankly, regex. It's difficult stuff to do, but they do give you some good tips here. So check out that article, which, again, I'll be posting to our forum.
2: Are you analytics certified, Ross?
1: No. I'm not. (laughs) I've got a guy who is. (laughs) Okay.
2: All right. Somebody should be. That's good. Glad you're on that. Are you? Mine mine is, what's it called when you let it run out?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Expired. (laughs) Expired, yes.
2: There's a bunch of people on my teams that are, though.
1: Yeah. You can also exclude all hits from known bots and spiders, of course, but that doesn't cover this. So just make yep. sure you're doing it the right way. Now, again,
2: should, as long as you're excluding things, exclude your own traffic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you're on your own site every
1: day, don't count that as visitors. Yep. And also exclude traffic from your own website. Because self-referrals are a very common noisemaker as well. Although it would be nice to figure out why you're getting self-referrals. It's usually a glitch in the code. So but anyway, this is the reason analytics is a job under itself. There's a lot to it. Now, one thing you might think of if you're a higher end here is, oh, I'll just exclude all these sites from HT Access. You could do that. And that's a file in the root of your your website that you can use to block websites, if you want, among many other things you can do with it.
2: Let's be clear, though. HT Access only exists on Apache, Apache. servers. If you're in a Microsoft environment, there's a whole different thing
1: called ISAPI rewrite that kind of does the same type of thing. But in this case, if let's say you're using Apache because i just like to talk about that. It's much easier for me. <laughs> doesn't matter. Even if you had a SAP uh, rewrite, it will not help if you try and block these because they're not visiting your site. That's the kicker here. All they're doing is pinging your analytics code. So there's if you, if you put that in there, it's not going to remove them. It has to be done from the analytics file base. Now, let's get to that question from Mark. Fire away.
2: Um, Is there any reason to have a robots.txt file on websites where we are happy for everything to be crawled and indexed? Good
1: question. Very good. I can think of two off the top of my head. You? One for sure. I'm coming up with a second. (laughs) The one is obvious. First of all, you don't have to have it these days if you use Bing and use Google Webmaster Tools to submit your site map file. But really, I like to have it there, first of all, to ensure that... Other search engines, however insignificant, can find your sitemap if it's in a non-standard place. I also like to use it for keeping track of notes. I use actually use pound symbols to to, to leave notes on when I last updated it and what I did last. Of course, that's just the anal side of things from an SEO perspective. But
2: it, I've never is, heard of anybody doing that
1: before. That's interesting. Yeah, well, there's no harm, right? It says last updated by this person, and this is what I did. Interesting. Uh, the two things that I would, would say
2: we need a robots.txt file for, first of all, just to kind of set the, the groundwork here, the robots.txt file is the very first thing any spider from a major search engine will look for. No matter where they come into your site, no matter how they get to your site, the first thing they look for is a robots.txt file to see if they're allowed to go where they're about to go, right? So with that in mind... I like to discuss technical issues in, in terms of trust. We talked to, we've talked about art here in the past on the show, authority, relevancy, and trust. And if you have a robots.txt file versus not having anything at all, I make the assumption that Google's going to trust you a smidgen more and trust accessing your site a smidgen more because if you don't have one, they don't know if you don't have one on purpose or you just didn't know to build one. They don't know if there are places or not if there's nowhere on your site that they don't want you to go. Or, they don't, or you don't want them to go. They don't know that, so they don't, they're don't. they not sure. If you have a file and you say, yeah, go anywhere you want, they're going to trust that a lot more. The second reason to have a robots.txt file is because you can put the directions to your sitemap XML file in your robots.txt file to make sure the spiders can find it. You should also be submitting in your Webmaster Tools, but that's a way to make sure the crawlers find your XML files as well as in your robots.txt file. Those are my two reasons.
1: So you're repeating my reason, then adding another. I didn't make any notes in the Robust file. <laughs> you know, so when it comes down to it, I don't think there's any trust drop. I, I, I see what you're coming from. I don't think there is, especially if you're already in Google Webmaster Tools and Bing, and you're updating it and you're active in it. But I do see your point. I mean, if, if especially if you're not doing that and you don't have it, then I think that there is a, a significant chance that there is that smidgen of lost trust, or at least. I don't know, if we're talking about a robot here, I don't know how much it could really care, but yeah. In the well, very well, least,
2: it's well, think of, think about it this way, right? If Google comes to your site and you say, um, you're allowed to go here or here, or hey, you can go anywhere you want, you know? They're like, "Okay, I know what I can do." If they come to your site and they don't get any instructions at all, they're not sure what they can and can't do, they're like, "Okay, I'm just going to do whatever I want."
1: You know, which one are you going to trust more, right? I realize that, but it's not a human. I'm just saying, I don't it's, know how it's much they programmed really care about humans. Yes, I just don't know whether they would really care it's, to program that in. It's yet. not self-aware <laughs> yet. <laughs> we think. <laughs> <laughs> we hope. Mwah. Or
2: they will. If it's self-aware, our election, our elections in 16 are screwed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they'll all of a sudden be this one uh, yeah. participant who've never met that yeah. wins. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking <laughs>
2: How come how come Larry Circuit <laughs> Larry Page is president? How did that happen? <laughs>
1: Why did he have a kid who was running? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and we never see him physically. We only see him on TV. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. Well, with that said, as things degrade quickly, thank you for joining us today, everyone. I think we covered a few very interesting topics, and I hope you learned something today. If you have any questions you'd like to share with us, please feel free to post them to our Google Plus community page, easily found by searching SEO 101 on Google Plus have a great week and remember to tune into future episodes which air at 11am pacific 2pm eastern every wednesday on Webmaster webmasterradio.fm thank you
3: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
0: You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck and investing can be scary we combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing we call it save vesting and it's only available in our new app stairs stairs offers four to six percent returns no fees and you can withdraw anytime. do your future a favor visit stairsapp.com today